What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spurscast episode 409. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of the Spurscast. Joining me in studio for this playoff edition Spurscast is Project Spurs' Colin Reed. Colin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. Thanks for, for coming here at the last minute. You know, obviously you and I like to look into the numbers at the film and we haven't quite got a, a, enough time uh, because the, the, the Spurs didn't find out who they were playing until um, late, pretty w- late, um, kind of right during that game against uh, that they lost their season finale against New Orleans. So you and I... Uh, I, I would prefer to have more more time to dig up the, the the data and stuff, but we do got to put a podcast up, and so I want to just go through. Let's get through some, some, some through this series uh, against the Warriors. So, as you all know, Spurs cast listeners, the Spurs are opening up their 2018 playoff run at Golden State. Um, it's the two seven matchup. Warriors will have home court advantage. Right now, there is no expectation from the Spurs or or the Warriors. Even Steve Kerr was, um, you know, quoted as saying he's not expecting Kawhi Leonard to come back. Uh, the, the Warriors have basically said Steph Curry's not coming back for at least round one. They're not they're not expecting him back to the next round if, if should they advance. So we're going to kind of just go through Colin and I with that presumption that Curry's out and that Kawhi are out for this whole series because the Spurs obviously the Spurs will still list, list Kawhi day to day, but there's just you know everything's there that that it's he's probably not going to play. Okay, so um. Let's begin, Colin, with uh, what's going on between these two teams, their history this season. Um, you know, their first game came in early November. Uh, the Warriors won that one by 20. They had a fully healthy team. Uh, the Spurs did lead by 19. I, th- I know a lot of fans got upset because then the Golden State basically came back in the second half. Um, everybody played for the Spurs that night except for Kawhi Leonard. Um, then in, their second game of the season was in February. Um, it was at Golden State. The Warriors win this one by 17. The Spurs did lead by 12 early, but in that one, there was no Rudy Gay or no DeJounte Murray. Uh, and at that time, the Warriors had a full healthy team. Then game three takes place in, in um, early March. Um, the Warriors win that one narrowly by three. This one was interesting because this, this one might have been a preview for what we're going to see in, this, in these playoffs. 
Uh, basically, the Spurs had a nine-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Steph got hurt two minutes into the game, so this is almost like Steph was not present. Uh, there was no Iguodala, though, and he's a, he's a big X factor for Golden State in the playoffs. But that was one where the Spurs just couldn't, you know, hold that lead together. Durant just went crazy in the fourth quarter. I already watched the clips of that game. I mean, they had Kyle was doing so well for for, for San Antonio defending him, and then all of a sudden the fourth came in. Kyle, Danny Green, nobody had a chance. I mean, when he catches fire, it's just pick and roll or one on one ISO, and he and he's gonna he's gonna torch you. And then the last game was uh, recently. It was in late March. Uh, the fourth game, the Spurs won that one by 14. But there was no Curry. There was no Durant. There was no Klay Thompson. Draymond Green got hurt 11 minutes into the game. And then uh, the Spurs um, had their full squad. So just based, Colin, right now on, on their past, what you've seen this season in these four games, what are your kind of initial thoughts going into the series? Well, I think, you know, uh, the Warriors are down staff, which is a big deal to them. But they're down less than the Spurs are missing Leonard. I think that the one, you know, last year the Spurs lost Leonard so early into that series. I think the one thing helping them this time around is that they've had all season, you know, training camp. You know, they only played with Leonard for nine games. So I I think that, like you said, that game where Steph went down is probably a better indicator in both that, like, hey, maybe the Spurs can hang with the Warriors if Curry's not around, but at the same time, uh, Despite how well Aldridge has played, the Warriors have Durant, who can just win games on his own. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what we're going to get into that a little bit later. So let's go ahead and go to our first topic of this episode. And that's the Warriors. You know, I want to talk about the state of the Warriors. So, you know, there's two different narratives going on right now. They're, they're obviously, the, the data says that they're not a very good team without Stephen Curry. Um, ever since Curry went down on March 8th, and he made one appearance in, in, in um, I think it was March 23rd, he made one appearance, but really he's been out since March 8th. So since March 8th, the Warriors ended the season 7-10 and 10 without him, basically. Um, Durant has been their leading go-to guy, like you mentioned, 27.5 points, 7.3 rebounds, 5.5 assists. Clay's been their second, their number two guy. 22.8 points, but he's only played in nine games. He had a lingering issue, also uh, health-related. Uh, Quinn Cook stepped up in, in Steph's absence um, as best he can, 15.6 points, 4.2 assists. Draymond's pretty much almost close to a triple-double, 10 points, uh, 6.9 rebounds, and 6.4 assists during that time frame. And again, Iguodala, as I mentioned, is an X-factor because we haven't really seen him. He was only available for the Warriors in um, nine of those last 17 games. So, so you know, the Warriors don't look good right now. Uh you know, t- seven and ten makes you think that the Spurs will be a favor, but but you know already, already Vegas has the Warriors as, as an eight point favor. And there's these two narratives. There's that narrative that they just can't win without Steph, but then there's also that narrative that that's pretty much been going on even when Steph was available, which is they're just bored. You know, they they reach Mount Rushmore, um, not Mount Rushmore, you know Mount Everest yeah. basically, uh, Mount Rushmore. <laughs> it's a statue. Anyway, they reach Mount Everest. You know, win the title. That that high is just gone. And all of a sudden, you're you're trying to get them to to try to go, you know, basically go go their go their full for 82 games, and they just don't do it. They're just kind of they, they look like they're bored. You know, they're just taking their time. You know, they got the one two seed locked up, basically the two seed ever since Houston had the one. But you know, they're they're pretty comfortable going into playoffs with the squad. Uh, what is your read on the Warriors right now? You know, are are you more buying to that side that they're kind of just taking it easy and waiting for the playoffs? They're going to flip a switch, or are you a little concerned about them going into the playoffs without Steph? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that they're just kind of worn out at least in the regular season you know I think uh it was all-star break where Clay said you know we can win out and take the one seed again so obviously they were motivated to do that and there was injuries that did factor into that of course but like even outside of like right after the all-star break if if I'm remembering correctly you know it was kind of this oh are they gonna flip the switch they they don't look like they're fully engaged type thing um I think that a lot of it comes down to before the season 
it looked like their bench was going to be better than ever, and some of those guys didn't maybe pan out as well as they thought they did. I know Nick Young looked like the perfect candidate for like, oh, he's going to sign with the Warriors, and now he's going to be the star player, and he really hasn't been that way. Uh, Omri Caspi was supposed to be a big addition for them, and he's not even on the team anymore. But I think the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is their defense, which has kind of looked lackluster. And I think with the right preparation and with the right locking in, which they will have in the playoffs, their defense is going to be at an elite level again. Yeah, that's th- those are two guys that you mentioned that um, kind of surprised me too that they're not playing as well. You know, well, Omri's actually gone from the team. You know, when when John Diaz and I did our season predictions earlier in the year, the over unders, I had actually picked Golden State to win over seventy. I was like, these guys just won the title. They got um, they got Caspi, they got Nick Young. They're 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 going to get seventy easily. And no, you know, you mentioned you know health has been a big factor in that, but you know, it also just motivation. They just haven't had that. So some other numbers I wanted to read you, Colin, about the current Warriors. So these are actually not even considering Steph um, off the floor just in this time period that he's been hurt. It's actually the whole season. So in 2,315 minutes without Steph, this just this whole year, uh, they're, they're 16th offensively, 106.1 points per 100. So that's kind of close to Spurs level. You know, Spurs are basically 17th. That's like that's like the offense of the Portland Trailblazers. Defensively without Steph, they're fifth, um, like the Toronto Raptors, 103.1 points per 100. Um, they're not very good on the boards without Steph, which you know, they're not even that even with he's there. Uh, their, their, their turnovers at their turnover percentage increases just a bit. They still shoot pretty well, fifty three point nine percent effective field goal percentage, which is like fifth, like the Raptors, even without Steph. But here's the biggest part: it's their pace. Uh, they play the Spurs this type of pace. You know, without Steph, they're only um, averaging ninety eight point nine one points uh, possessions per forty eight minutes, which is basically eighteenth. Uh, the Spurs are almost like at ninety seven possessions, so. It's almost going to play into the Spurs' hands that 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 this is going to be a kind of matchup that the Spurs prefer, where they're not going to be that up and down. Steph, you know, I looked at the numbers when Steph's on the floor, they're averaging 106 possessions per 48 minutes. That's a lot, you know. That's almost double with, without him. I mean, with, with him on the floor. Um, so that's obviously something that that factors in going into the series with the, with the, against the Spurs or with the Spurs, should I say? All right, uh, let's go and look at the Spurs' offense, Colin. Uh, in in all four games against the Warriors this year, LaMarcus Aldridge has averaged 26.8 points, uh, made 53% of his shots, 11 rebounds a game. Uh, Kyle Anderson's been their second-best player in that series, 12 points, uh, 54% shooting, 8.5 rebounds, 4 assists. Rudy Gay hasn't quite had the best series against Golden State. He only played in three games, though, 9.3 points, 41%, 5 rebounds. Murray's been okay, 9 points, 46% shooting, 6.3 rebounds, and 4.3 assists. And then Patty Mills is their fifth-leading guy, uh, 8.3 points, 31% field goal. Powell maybe might get some minutes now that Steph's out because against the Warriors, he's only played 17.7 minutes per game, but that's mostly because Steph's usually there. And without that Steph factor, he, he can actually survive a little bit more. So let's first begin with Aldridge. Um, do you think, so I watched the film in all four games, you know, a lot of times it was mainly one-on-one. They let him play against uh, McGee, Draymond Green, um, K- Kayvon Looney, David West, just all their big guys, basically. And he's actually okay against, all, he, he's actually pretty dominant against everybody except McGee has some trouble with every now and then. And the Warriors would send double teams, but sporadically. It wasn't consistent. It was never something like how you just saw against New Orleans the other night uh, in that season finale. They were just from the get-go. They were just throwing those double teams at Aldridge, and he just ha- had trouble making the quick decision. And, um, you know, you saw the Spurs just fall apart. So my question to you is, do you think they're going to keep up that strategy of that one-on-one and kind of just throw sporadic double teams at him, Or do you think it'll be something right from the get-go, Kirk just attacks them with double teams? I do think they're going to throw multiple coverages at them kind of from the get-go that's really what their strategy was last year in the playoffs and it made that was kind of what sparked a lot of this Aldridge drama was everyone was saying you know why isn't Aldridge scoring why isn't Aldridge performing the way he should and a lot of the times in the series he was even getting triple teamed and there was just no one else on the Spurs that could produce anything for them obviously the Warriors kind of 
let Simmons do what he did, and they weren't really too affected by it, but they threw as much at Aldridge as they could. Um, so I, I do think that they are going to do that. You know, maybe they won't do it as aggressively as they did last year, but I do think that they're going to go to that pretty quickly if it looks like they'll need to. Um, so let's say they do start doing that. Do you think – so there was three places that Aldridge attacked them on the floor when I watched the film in all four games. He either did the you know the traditional left block low post. Um, that's kind of an, the easiest place to double team him because you can send that weak side defender that's, that's basically guarding either Murray or Anderson out on the corner. That player can come. Uh, if not, the Spurs gave it to him kind of like at the elbow and like, especially against Zaza, he did very well of just taking Zaza off the dribble and hitting that fadeaway jumper, just kind of just getting to the rim. Um, he has that, that edge over a lot of those, those defenders on the Warriors. Um, so at the left elbow, that kind of let him isolate, isolate. It's harder to double team him when he's at the elbow and then gets to kind of make his, his first, um, uh, off the, t- off the attack move. And then finally, the other way that gets Kyle Anderson more involved was they ran a lot more pick and roll with him where, you know, they made him either pick and pop big or a guy who got the role. And then when he do that role, he get into the better post position. So they couldn't double team it as much. Uh, do you think the Spurs will kind of mix up their, their type of way of getting Aldridge the ball? I do. Um, and I think that, uh, the pick and roll with Aldridge is especially effective. I actually went back and watched the third game and, the Warriors were going over every single screen, even when Aldridge was screening for Murray. And I think part of that is just like, if you go under, then you have a chance of creating too much traffic and Aldridge can pop out and he can hit that shot. So like, you know, going over against Murray probably isn't that great because now Murray has a full head of steam, but it's just because of how good Aldridge is shooting there. You don't want to maybe give him an open look from there either. So I I think, you know, that pick and roll, uh, just like what you're saying from the elbow, any any... I think that the Spurs are going to move him around a lot to try to get him uh, one-on-one as much as possible. They're going to run a lot of kind of what they've been running all year in terms of a lot of action kind of all over the floor that just results in an ISO one-on-one. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go, in the car, or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. So there, there's two guys I want to talk about. One of the guys you just mentioned, uh, Murray. I, you know, I think this is obviously round two for the playoffs for him. Teams have a better scout report on him now that he's been, you know, pretty much the full time starter since January. Um, you know, is his lack of outside shooting and mid range shooting going to be exposed in these playoffs? Do you think Golden State's just going to? Because I saw like against the Pelicans the other day, Rondo, Drew Holiday, these guys. Anytime they had Murray on, it was their main assignment. They just completely abandoned him and went toward Aldridge for that those double teams. Do you think that now that that there's been a full like season basically of him? Do you think teams are going to kind of use him as like almost like that Tony Allen version where they're just going to, you know, just maybe even put bigs on him or something in some sort of case and maybe put like Zaza on him or David West just because he doesn't shoot outside? Uh, what do you think is going to happen with him in this series? Well, I think uh, that's where it's important to keep him active in terms of being the primary ball handler while he's on the court, running maybe uh, off ball screens for people when he's not. Uh, 
when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, I do think that people are going to give him space uh, because he just can't shoot. I do think that that's going to be a weakness of his. I think that they're going to have to go to those lineups a lot more where there's two shooters with him. Uh, how we've been seeing maybe both Patty and Danny Green out there a lot with him. I think that if they want him to be effective on the floor, they're going to need that multiple shooter type lineup. That's actually a question I, was, I had saved for, for later, but let's just go into it now. Who do you think they start with? Um, you, know, you mentioned the small lineup, which is basically Murray, Mills, Danny Green, Kyle Anderson, and, and Aldridge. So in that lineup, you have, you know, if you have th- two high-volume shooters, which are Green and, and Murray, to space out when because uh, you have Murray and, and Anderson out there, and those two guys aren't high-volume shooters. One of them will hang around the rim while Aldridge is in those post-ups. Um, that group is a plus 12.1 points per 100 when on the floor together. But also, Pop kind of likes that, that, that lineup of um, Murray, uh, Patty Mills at the two, uh, who is it, Kyle Anderson, LaMarcus, and Powell at the five. That, that traditional big man lineup, and that that group is a plus 15.1 points 100. Who do you think Pop might, what, what group do you think Pop's going to start with? Because it looks like Golden State's going with Quinn Cook, Clay, uh, Durant, Draymond, and either, who knows, at center. It's either Zaza, Kevin Looney, somebody like that. Um, and I know we're going to talk about some of the defensive matchups later, but I do think that it seems like Pop seems to switch back and forth based on who they're playing. Uh, so, like... I think, you know, if they're going to play the Jazz, who play two traditional bigs, they're going to do the Powell and Aldridge uh, lineup. But I do think that in games against, like, Warriors or teams where they have, like, kind of this hybrid small ball type thing going on, they're going to start with this small lineup uh, for both defensive and offensive purposes. But I think that uh, that first lineup you mentioned just makes a lot more sense. It's been really good for the Spurs when it's on the floor, and just against the Warriors, it, it makes the most sense. Okay, let's let's talk about um, Rudy Gay real quick because you know I, I mentioned against the Warriors, he's only playing three games against them, nine point three points, forty one percent shooting. You see what he can do. He's one of the only guys outside of Aldridge who can create his own shot. Um, you know, get to the free throw line, uh, post up on his own, kind of take somebody off the dribble, you run a pick and roll too. Um, you know, how vital is he going to be for the series for the Spurs, especially considering like one 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 note I wrote down was can the Spurs even get sur- even survive when Aldridge takes a break? Because that's one thing you've been seeing lately, whether at home or on the road. Is once that once Aldridge takes a break, you know, takes just five minutes. They're, they're, that's it. Their backup unit. It kind of just comes down to what Manu can bring them, and that's that's pretty bad when you're relying. I mean, Manu's obviously great still, but it's pretty bad when you have to rely on a forty-year-old player to kind of carry your bench unit. And some nights Rudy has it, some nights he doesn't, or he comes late in later in the game or too early. So, what? what how vital is he for the series? I think uh, if the Spurs have any chance at all. Uh... He's going to have to be playing really, really well. I do think that recently he has maybe shown a little bit more. um, Like that game against the Rockets where he just seemed like he was kind of getting up for lobs, for blocks and stuff, maybe kind of better than we have all season. And I know, you know, he came in to the season nursing some injuries and then he had that heel injury for a long time. So I'm kind of starting to wonder just based on his play lately if this might be the first time we've seen him like completely healthy. And if that's the case, then I think that he can play at that level of carrying uh, the bench unit. But he's going to have to, really, if the Spurs have any chance to win it. Okay, yeah, and I completely agree with you. Um, what, what do you think's going on? You know, I, I had uh, Bruno Passos from Pounding the Rock last week as, as my guest, and we brought up the uh, Tony Parker situation. You know, he finally hit double digits on the last game of the season, even though the Spurs got blown out. But, um, you know, is it at the point where you're kind of not banking on him being, you know, that productive in these playoffs? Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of... I mean, I think if Kawhi had played during the season, maybe Pop wouldn't have been as eager to make the switch to Murray. But with the way that Parker's playing right now, 
he kind of has like the drawbacks of Murray. You know, he's not going to shoot. Teams are going to kind of sag off him. Uh, but not really the benefits in terms of athleticism, length, getting into passing lanes, and kind of some of that quickness and speed. So I, I think it's, you know, it's just one of those effects of aging. He did look like this last year, and then we got to the playoffs, and he looked so much better before he got injured. Uh, but I don't know if that's something we can rest a whole lot on. Uh, I think it's just that he's kind of getting older, and that's kind of one of the effects of that. Okay, yeah. So that'll be that'll be something to watch. And I think Manu, obviously, you know, he he they live and die with Manu. I mean, that bench unit, especially. Um, let's go ahead and d- uh, discuss defensively for the Spurs. So um, as I mentioned, you know, since since Curry's been out, Durant's averaging twenty, basically twenty eight points per game. He's their he's their main go to guy. Um, after going back in the film and watching, um, it was mainly Kyle Anderson who was the main guy who pop you know um, liked guarding him, uh, especially since Kawhi's out. And then if not, maybe Danny Green and maybe a shade of Rudy Gay every now and then on um, Durant. Now when Durant's got like. He, I looked up the numbers, and he does take way more mid-range jumpers when it's Kyle guarding him. So, so that, that's a good thing for Kyle in, the, in that he wants he doesn't want to drive by him as much and get to the rim. He just can't, or he doesn't want to take the three. He, he's trying to. He's trying to. I saw him using a lot of that little jab step and then kind of fade away that kind of OKC type Durant shot. But as we mentioned in that game three, where he just went, you know, he just went, you know, he just caught on fire. Uh, he was using a lot more off the dribble moves, and that was that was either taking that first step off the dribble away from Kyle, or just immediately calling for a pick before the defense can even get set. And Kyle had no chance, of kind of chasing him from behind. So, um, you know, the the Durant the Durant issue, I guess. So obviously, we know no one can just guard him one on one, but they're going to live with Kyle for a few possessions, you know, in these games, and, and maybe Danny Green. But uh, what can the Spurs do to kind of limit Durant as best as possible, especially since Steph's not going to be in the game? I think kind of throwing a bunch of different players at him, like Kyle or Danny, uh, you know, Rudy Gay when he's out there, kind of just switch up who is playing against him. Because I think that each one of them maybe provides something a little bit different. Like, uh, I think just the the pace and the basketball IQ that Anderson plays with, I think it seems like, especially in the first two games and up until that point where he kind of went crazy in the third game, uh, it's kind of like, gotten Durant off his rhythm a little bit on both ends of the floor even like even on offense and um so I think that like if if they're just going straight up one-on-one you know not quite off the dribble I think that Kyle is probably the best defender uh and then maybe Danny in the other circumstances so I think it's really kind of seeing where they're going to go with it and then you know Kyle can switch on to uh maybe another play like if they're going super small he can guard Iguodala if they decide to put Danny on uh Durant, but I think that kind of just throwing several of their players at uh, Durant is probably the best way to go. I think one thing the Spurs have to watch too that Durant likes to do to get Kyle off of him is he likes to either set a lot of screens or just do like a, a quick jump out on, on like a, on a, on a pin down screen and that gets you like Parker or, or Patty Mills or somebody like that on him and that's that's it he's he's ready to go in those situations. So um, next player let's fo- let's let's see, let's see about the Spurs focusing on is uh, Clay Thompson. Um, you know he's obviously more off the ball player uh, uses screens a lot. And, and Patty Mills and, and Danny Green basically guarded him for most of the, those, those first four games against the Spurs. Um, and the one thing I noted was that it was mainly communication on defense. You know, this is a team where, especially Clay, he's such a good defender, almost like he, he kind of knows where he's going ahead of time before he even makes the move. And you could be like right next to his jersey, and then all of a sudden he just uses like a back screen. And that's it. He's gone and he's open for a wide open three. Um, how how vital is, is communication going to be on defense, especially with a guy like Clay who's getting all these um, pin down screens and, you know, off the ball type movement? You know, I think the communication is actually probably going to be the biggest key in determining whether their defense is succeeding or failing. They have so many defensive uh, weapons, especially in that starting unit that we talked about. Uh, you know, Aldridge is a good big man defender. You know, Kyle's a great defender. 
so is Danny, so is DeJounte, and Patty has his spots that he's good at defending into. So, like, all of these guys can defend. Uh, I know that in a recent game where they were having more trouble defending, that was actually exactly what Danny pointed out, was that they are having trouble communicating and they weren't communicating as good. So I think that that communication kind of has to be flowing uh, the entire real series. Uh, if they're going to have a shot at kind of slowing them down at all, um, and I do think that's going to be the biggest thing because I think against a team like the Warriors, they're probably going to be switching, running a lot of different types of pick-and-roll defenses. And so it's just going to be a matter of being able to adjust in-game, which really does come back to that communication. Um, how big of a factor are, are Quinn Cook and Draymond going to be in your eyes? Like, especially, you know, Draymond, obviously, I think the Spurs will help off him a lot, you know, especially when he's off the ball because they're going to kind of try to – they're going to treat him like how the Warriors will treat Murray and Anderson where they're not – you know, he's, they're not respectable three-point shooters. So they're they're going to use that to their advantage. Um you know, without Clay, without Steph out there, he comes. He, he does his his ball handling ability. Draymond's isn't as um. It's still effective, but not but not as effective because again, you're missing. Your Quinn Cook's a good shooter, but he's not you know at the level of Steph where you'd send automatic three points. Uh, how, how big are those two guys in this series, or do you think the Spurs can kind of hold them down uh, to decent you know numbers? Yeah, and I wonder if it's almost kind of like the the Simmons effect last year, where the Warriors were like you know. Simmons can kind of go in and score his, and it's not really going to affect us too much. I think, you know, if you can do a really good job of locking down Durant and uh, Clay Thompson, and you're being beat by uh, Draymond and Quinn Cook, then it's going to be hard for you to win that series anyway. Uh, I think, you know, they're probably going to kind of throw several different coverages at Quinn. I, I almost think that kind of having a cross match where even though Patty plays the two a lot in these lineups, having Patty guard Quinn is probably the best option there. Uh, but I think that they probably won't be as aggressive in trying to find the right matchup for him uh, as they are for, like, Clay or Durant. And, in fact, you know, if, if they have a player that's defending really well on the guards, I'll probably switch him onto Clay for that night and kind of just, <laughs> you know, do whoever's maybe struggling in that area, guard Quinn, even though he, you know, he has that shot. I think that you'd rather Quinn beat you than Clay. And I think one of the toughest uh, per, uh, players to read is uh, is is Iguodala, like you know, for the Spurs' sake, because he hasn't been present at all for this for this group of Warriors. And maybe he'll have a you know tough time transitioning uh, with them because he hasn't been on the floor with them that much. Uh, he's only been you know he's basically like, like I said he's missed nine of I mean he was he's missed eight of the last seventeen games. Uh, so he could either you know be be a big part of their their rotation off the bench, and then of course to close out games, or or you know it could be a, a little bit of slow of a process. Um, to get him. One other stat I wanted to read going back to the Spurs' offense. Um, Colin was uh, on the road uh, this year offensively. Uh, their scoring uh, drops down to uh, from 17th overall to 24th, 102.3 points for 100. Their effective field goal percentage, San Antonio's, drops to 30th, dead last on the road, 48%, 48.8% of their shots that they make uh, from the effective field goal percentage when they are on the road. So that's obviously a huge concern. And we, and we saw, you know, on, on the road, this is a horrible Spurs team, basically. They were with like 14-27, something like that. Uh, they were 1-12, in 12, I think, as a static. I calculated last night against all playoff teams. I mean, the, their only win was at Portland uh, this entire season against any of these playoff teams. So th- that that's a big um, area of concern for the Spurs. Um, so, Colin, obviously, uh, game one is now Saturday at 2 o'clock uh, p.m. Central Standard Time. It's in Oakland. The Warriors have home court for game one and two. Um, Vegas already put out their line. They have the Warriors by eight in their opening line. Uh, just like we do in normal regular season, what's your prediction for game one, um, Spurs or Warriors? I think that game one will be honestly kind of more of the same uh, in terms of kind of what we've seen the pattern a lot. I think that it'll either be close for the first three quarters or we'll even see the Spurs jump out to a lead. Um, but ultimately, you know, the the star power that the Warriors have will kind of come back and uh, take the game away in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, and I would probably say they win by 12. Okay. I'm taking Golden State too. Um, and it's really just comes back to the Spurs' performance on the road. I mean, we saw those just a week ago, those last two games against the Lakers and Clippers. I mean, yeah. that was just I, – I, I have to see it to believe it, basically, to see these Spurs win on the road against a good team. Um, I actually think in this whole series, it's going to be pretty close uh, because defensively, the Spurs are going to be okay. You know, I think with the players, the personnel that they have, even without Kawhi, it's going to be offensively. You know, how, however much that the Warriors have an impact on Aldridge is going to be basically how, how far the Spurs can go. Because if they completely just, you know, take, take not take Aldridge out of it, but really make his life um, really hard as far as, um, you know, on, on the court. Uh, and then and then nobody's ready ready to step up. You know, like we said, if Rudy Gay's not ready, if Parker, Manu, all these guys aren't ready, then it's going to be a, t- a tough series for San Antonio to score the basketball. So I think that the Spurs' biggest issue throughout this entire series will be on the offensive end, not really the defense. I think they'll be okay. They'll be manageable on the defensive end. Um, thanks, Colin, for coming on this episode, 490. Um, those are uh, Spurs cast listeners. Hope you, hopefully um, you enjoyed that episode. Uh, as, as the Spurs begin uh, the playoffs, round one against the Warriors, uh, I will be doing Spurs cast after every single um, – playoff game basically uh if you have any questions for the spurs cast send them to hashtag spurs cast follow us at project spurs at at league underscore nba at the spurs cast at project spurs network and also follow colin at colin reed ps if you're on twitter visit us at projectspurs.com analyzing the league.com projectspurs.net and if you're on itunes please leave us a rating and review thank you have a great day Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.